forgotten condoms can break. Some women want to conceive in the near future, some never again. So for lots of different reasons, for lots of different people, there are lots of different contraceptive options. But do we know enough about these options and do we talk confidently enough about what we need? Bayer, with a strong heritage in contraception and female health, are on a mission to help educate us all find the right option to fit our lives. With the relaunch of MyContraception.ie, a dedicated website full of everything we need to know. I'm Sinead Moore from Everymum, and in this five-part series supported by Bayer, I talk to four sensational GPs to better understand our bodies, our reproductive health, and the range of contraceptive options available in Ireland. Plus, specific episodes all about the right options if you've just had a baby or if you know your family is complete. The opinions shared in this podcast are those of the individual healthcare professionals and are intended as general information only and not intended to replace a consultation with a healthcare professional. Nor is it intended to provide specific medical advice. So always speak to your doctor or nurse for personal advice about you and your needs. Hormones. What are they and why do they have so much power over us? And what can we do to keep them flowing, balanced and working for us? In this episode, I'm joined by Dr. Laura Lenehan, a GP in Galway who is passionate about sharing her practical and evidence-based medical knowledge with her patients and online. Here, she explains how our hormones drive our well-being how they can be lifted through finding joy and the impact stress can have. Hormonal health is a fine balancing act. So let's learn more. Dr. Laura Lenehan, thank you for joining me on this episode. Hormones are powerful little things and I feel like maybe it's the older I'm getting or maybe post-pregnancy I learned more about hormones or maybe it's just that more women are talking about them. Um, But we're beginning to understand that they are incredibly special and incredibly powerful little things going on in our bodies. So I'd love to understand a little bit more about what even is a hormone? Yeah, so I think hormones are so interesting, aren't they? And, you know, that's a really good point. Pregnancy probably is one of those things that really fine tunes you and you begin to really figure it out 100%. And And are in awe actually is how powerful they are. Absolutely. I, I know I've mentioned this to you before, I think, but I found that getting pregnant actually really changed me as a GP because I understood so much more about my body, the power and the of hormones it. and the amazing things that it can mm. do. Yeah. But so hormones are basically chemical messengers running around the body. OK, think of them as your your body's army. And so they're produced by a number of different glands and they control pretty much everything that your body does. So within the brain, there is a gland called the pituitary gland. It's a pea-sized gland at the base of the brain. And it is like the body's master gland. It controls everything that all the other hormonal glands do. It's in charge. It's in charge, exactly. And so it has five different types of cells that produce hormones that control the other hormonal glands in the body. So it, say, in female reproduction produces two hormones called follicle stimulating hormone, FSH and LH luteinizing hormone that then trickle around your body in a pulsatile fashion and they work on the ovaries and um, tell them what to do and when to do it. So when they want to 
um, you know, they would release a lot of FSH at the beginning of the cycle and say, wake up, it's time to mm, produce time a to dominant go. follicle. Yeah. And then LH and comes And that can along. lift your mood too in that beginning of the cycle Absolutely. when you feel like, yeah. you know, you're you're not having those PMS symptoms anymore. You're feeling a bit more optimistic yeah, and a bit more energy. Exactly. That's with the dwindling progesterone at the end of the cycle mm. that's causing the PMS-like symptoms. And then estrogen is increasing at the start and so helping your, your mood feel a little bit better. In episode one, we talked to Dr. Deirdre Lundy, who took us through how these hormones impact our female reproductive systems from menarche, also known as the beginning of your puberty and periods, to menopause. But essentially... So when we talk about the female reproductive cycle, the pituitary gland produces two hormones, follicle stimulating hormone or FSH, as I'm probably going to uh, refer to it. And And a lot of women going through some fertility treatments or things like that are always looking at their FSH. Absolutely. Or even when it comes to menopause, then it's something that we look at as well as a way to technically diagnose menopause, even though we shouldn't be. But we do sometimes. Okay. And the other one it produces is uh, LH or luteinizing hormone. It's the FSH and LH that are released at menarche working on the ovaries that set the ovaries off, that the estrogen that is then produced by the ovaries causes you to have your period. And then if you think about it dwindling towards, I suppose, the final stages of the female reproductive life cycle, when we get close to menopause, the ovaries actually stop responding to that FSH and LH. And so FSH levels rise, which is what a blood test that we can do, Mm. and our estrogen levels fall. And that's what gives us the symptoms of menopause. So in your, you know, the typical 28 day cycle. Yes. That were, you know, that many women are used to, although, you know, let's it's 28 to 35 days. They're kind of saying yes. is the normal range. Yeah. Um, all of these hormones are working as they're being told to by the pituitary gland yeah. each day. Yeah. And they're they're. You know, you've got your your estrogen before then the LH triggers. So it's yeah. the estrogen has to kind of kick off the yeah. LH. Yeah. And that's what triggers the ovulation. Yes. That's what causes ovulation. So um, we get this LH surge that people talk mm. about. And that's what those ovulation prediction kits look at. So if you're mm. going through fertility issues or trying to get pregnant, pregnant that occurs um Again, the LH comes from the pituitary gland. You get an LH surge just prior to ovulation, and which causes the egg to be released. So estrogen is produced by the ovaries and is responsible for building up the womb lining um, mm. in order to hopefully... Uh, to have that egg implant. Exactly, yeah. to allow for the uh, the egg to implant. And progesterone then is, uh, is uh, produced to keep the... Uh, a womb lining in place and allow for a successful pregnancy. And it's the decrease in progesterone towards the end of the cycle that then allows for the womb lining to shed. Okay, so it's those two working in unison over those 28 days yes. that results in the typical reproductive cycle. Yes. They're the two dominant hormones that are at play. Yeah, those along with FSH and LH. And LH. Yeah. So it's really important to understand them when you're going through considerations, whether it's that you want to conceive or that actually you're actively trying not to conceive. Absolutely. So I think, I suppose the general public and when they come into us, we don't really think about FSH and LH so much. I think about it from the point of view that if I'm giving them the combined pill, I know that by them taking in high levels of estrogen and progesterone, I'm going to stop that 
FSH and LH from being produced in the pituitary gland. But I'm not sure that that's hugely important for everyone else when it comes to contraception. Certainly when it comes to fertility. Yeah. 100% you're all about how many that follicles hormonal do I balance. Have? Why isn't my yeah. FSH right, you know? And them all happening at the right timeline. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, so we can check, we would check progesterone levels day 21 to see have you ovulated on day 14 of your cycle? So they do become, I think, more important to women going through those struggles, certainly. Um, and maybe we should know more. I mean, that's the point of this. We mm. probably should understand them a little bit more um, when it comes to our contraceptive needs as well, certainly. And are there hormones somewhere in the body that are, you know, kicking out some of the other ones, ones that are becoming too dominant? Um, so again, they all, that's the kind of feedback loop that I, I was talking about, mm. I suppose. So they actually feed back on themselves. So when you take in estrogen and progesterone in the form of the oral contraceptive, the combined contraceptive, that actually, you know, provides a kind of negative feedback loop and stops the pituitary gland from uh, producing FSH and LH so that the body itself stops producing it. And that's what stops ovulation because there's no FSH or LH surge. The thyroid gland, which I know we're going to talk about, is I always talk about the thyroid gland as kind of the most important gland in the body because really it controls all of our metabolism. And often in women... You do hear a lot of kind of underactive or overactive absolutely, thyroid. Absolutely. And again, when it comes to fertility, mm. as a GP, if, if a woman was having issues, that would be one of the first things I would check because I would want their um, thyroid levels to be at a certain level, an optimal, optimal level for fertility. I would want their thyroid stimulating hormone, which is equivalent to the FSH and LH in that axis. I would mm. want their thyroid stimulating hormone to be below a certain level for optimum optimum fertility. And what about stress hormones? Yeah, so it's a really interesting one. Um, and I think there's loads more research probably coming out in this area going forward. But the main stress hormones are cortisol, really is, I suppose, the main one. We talk about adrenaline a little bit and the fight or flight reactions. Mm. And again, this is a separate axis coming from the pituitary gland to the adrenal glands. The adrenal glands are two little glands that sit on top of your kidneys and produce cortisol and adrenaline. If you were having issues with these, people become quite symptomatic with them. Okay, they become what does quite that mean? unwell. So if you were to have an excess of adrenaline, it would like be like you're in fight or flight mm, all, all the, the time. time. Okay, so heart racing, sweaty palms, mm. can't relax. A lot of anxiety because we hear from a lot of people who are feel like they're experiencing those symptoms just from going through a very stressful lifestyle. Absolutely. And so that's where cortisol and I suppose it's mainly cortisol, but a, a little bit of adrenaline as well, because um, so if cortisol is released at high levels, it has been shown as well to obviously f affect the female reproductive system, although they don't fully understand how or why mm. this happens. But if you're stressed and you're releasing lots of, of cortisol, as you can imagine, nothing then will be functioning right because those little armies of men that we yeah. talked about are all out of all out of whack. OK, there's too many of them going around and nobody really knows what's happening or why there are so, so many chaos. of them there. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it's a really fine ecosystem between them all kind of operating at the right levels, at the right times, telling each other the right messages. What can we be doing 
in, as we said, this really busy lifestyle where, you know, we are planning our conception. We are planning like when we want to conceive, when we don't want to conceive. All of the issues with fertility, we're considering, you know, how our skin looks, how our hormones are impacting our energy, all of these various things. So what can we be doing so that we can try and get, as you said, that optimal level? It's an interesting question, isn't it? Because I googled this a little bit prior to I think this. we all have. Yeah, <laughs> and just to see what's out there. And God, there's some crazy claims, okay? Yeah, there you is, just want a fix, don't you? you? There's no quick fix. Okay. Okay, there's no quick fix. That's for sad. most thing it is for most things in medicine. And, unfor- you know, people come to the GP all the time looking for a quick fix. Yeah. I don't have any. If I did, I wouldn't be working as a GP. Yeah. I would be very rich. Queen of the world. Absolutely. But, so really, I suppose it's all about a healthy lifestyle. Okay. Okay. So it's about getting your eight hours sleep a night, eating a healthy, balanced diet, not one particular diet or one other diet, just a healthy, balanced diet. It's about keeping your stress levels low. And it's about getting out there and getting exercise, because as you know, exercise is great for feeling good. It produces endorphins, which are hormones also and and can affect all different systems of the body. So really, it's that holistic approach. Things like yoga have actually been Mm. shown to to increase your endorphin levels and to and therefore kind of help the body alleviate stress in that way. But very little else has been proven to work. So it's just and I haven't gotten there yet, but it's about mastering that holistic lifestyle, you know. So if you want the hormonal balance, you kind of have to live a balanced life. life. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to talk about the happy hormones, the good stuff, the stuff that makes us, you know, full of life and energy and fun. What's going on with those hormones? So these are the endorphins that I spoke about. And again, there's loads of research coming out about endorphins recently and really exciting stuff coming out in the future, I think. They're not I just want a bag of them. Can, I know, we just get, I know. can we just get a whole load of endorphins? It's interesting because what they are, are they're... Um, hormones that work on our opioid receptors in our brain and spinal cord and the nervous system. And opioid receptors are um, what morphine works on. Those endorphins are released just as it mimics if you were taking a drug that would stimulate it. Yes. So we can actually stimulate our opioid receptors by producing endorphins as well. This is what I suppose people often refer to as a runner's high that they get as well. So post-exercise, even post-sex, like it's that high. Some women get it from chocolate, but it's the (laughs) endorphin running through you that is filled with, oh, that was nice. Yeah. So exercise, dark chocolate actually is is one of them. Um, Yoga has been shown in studies, proper medical grade Mm. studies to to produce endorphins as well. Is that because of the meditative state that you kind of go into or the flow? Yeah, I don't fully understand it now, but I I would assume so. And these so these endorphins then are released and relax the receptors. So they actually are used then to reduce stress. And that's so yoga itself is proven to do that as well. So if you want to get your estrogen and your progesterone working well, you've got to shut down your cortisol by raising up your endorphins. Yes. So doing lots of things that make you happy. When I think of, of health, I think of the things that we have to deny ourselves. And we all know that. I mean, it's it's February now. We're, we're thinking of all of those things that we enjoyed over Christmas and the things that we can't have anymore. I really like that idea, though, of actually what's important in this balance is also staying happy, doing Absolutely. the things that make you feel really good. Yeah. So everything in moderation. 
I think is is probably the most important thing. And there's an awful lot of talk out there about diets and restricting X, Y and Z. But for me as a doctor, and I'm not a nutritionist, the advice that I give is is everything in, in moderation. So fruit and veg and but allow yourself a little bit of X, Y and Z. The other thing that will increase your endorphins, I suppose, is feel good activities. So things that make you feel better. So giving to other people. That's a really nice out one. In charity, which is lovely yeah. isn't it? to think that that I don't. Do you do it? I, I give I try to not enough. Give a lot to charity as much yeah. as we can. Um, and you do get a little high yeah. from it. I never get a runner's high because I don't run. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's a good thing for me to do. So this fine balance that we're all looking for. OK, how does taking a hormone in the form of a contraception, how, how does that impact it? The high levels of estrogen and progesterone pretend to the pituitary gland that this lady, this woman is pregnant and therefore I don't need my FSH and LH that we talked about earlier to be um, to be flowing and pumping from exactly to to produce ovulation. So they kind of mimic a pregnancy state and I suppose can lead to some symptoms in that regard. They don't certainly don't mimic the symptoms of, of pregnancy, but, you know, women can still get. PMS-like symptoms with them. And some women will find that they're more susceptible to hormones than others. And certainly that's what we find with our patients that come in. So what do you mean by that? So when a patient comes into you, what are they typically explaining? So a lot of women say, for example, will get um, bloating or breast tenderness. And I tend to find that these are the women that suffered with those anyway. So not everyone will. Okay, that's something that personally I never suffered with and I never got it on the pill. But some women will come in and it will be too much for them to handle. It's important to realize that if if that is you, it's worth going back to your prescriber and chatting to them about it as well. Because every drug, I suppose, has different amounts of estrogen and progesterone in them. And if you're on a particular one, you can be bumped up or down accordingly based on your symptoms. And Because assuming... We all have our own individual levels to Absolutely. begin with. Yeah, yeah. So it's there's no one drug fits all. Okay? OK, it's very much about finding what works for you. And in my practice, I tend to start on a generic run of the mill one that suits most people. But certainly some will be more susceptible than others. So it is really important to talk through any symptoms that you're feeling 100%. because there probably is a very easy solution. Absolutely. And it's also really important. So I tend to tell my patients to give the pill about three months. OK, because it takes time to get For your used body to, to get used to it. And so even if you think about pregnancy, right, mm. those first few months with all those hormones raging everywhere. Oh, my God. So. Give it three months, see how they settle down. Because often, say, for example, with high levels of estrogen at the very beginning, you can feel nauseous and you can feel, you know, certainly get breast tenderness and mood changes. But really, that should settle as the levels, um, the levels kind of level out as it was. So always give it about three months. But if you're worried, pop back in and see your prescriber and Mm. see if there's a change that can be made. So we know that there are key hormones that are playing a role in the female reproductive cycle. But how do these hormones change and evolve as we age? Because we know that obviously um, a young girl will come into um, puberty and then we have our baby making years. And then a woman at some point in her life stage will begin to experience menopause. But what's going on? What hormones are driving all of that? Yeah. So I suppose this is what we talked about earlier Oestrogen and progesterone are the dominant hormones throughout our life cycle and they're under the control of the hormones that are released from the pituitary gland that we, we mentioned. At, 
at puberty or menarche. It's uh, the estrogen produced from the ovaries that sets all of this off. It starts um, the womb lining building up and breast development. The estrogen and progesterone then remain relatively stable over your baby making years, allowing us to have babies if we wish to. And then as we come closer to the menopause, which is a finite day in in a person's life, the perimenopause is the time surrounding that. I think that's really important because I think we hear a lot about menopause. That actually means the final. But actually a woman can be experiencing perimenopause for quite some time before that. Yeah, so menopause is one day and it is a year after your last period. That's when you hit really? menopause. Really? Okay. Yeah. And the perimenopause is the time around this. And it normally starts about four or five years before you hit the menopause. Which is a huge yeah. stage away. Yeah. A really long time. And, and there's what? a lot of hormonal fluctuation, I huge. imagine, in that. Yes. And so that's what gives you all the symptoms. So these hormones that we talk about coming from the brain um stop working or they're produced high the ovaries stop working and stop producing estrogen so it's the lack of estrogen that causes a lot of the problems in menopause if you're interested in knowing more about how our hormones evolve and change in our 40s and 50s episode 5 of this series with Dr. Rachel Mackey a leading doctor in gynecology and obstetrics explains this so well for us and helps identify how contraception can help ease these troublesome symptoms. And there can be physical symptoms as well as just reproductive. Absolutely. So like joint pain or even some um, cognitive, your memory might even go. Yeah, yeah. So estrogen is the most amazing hormone for women. It has so many benefits. It, you know, prevents dementia, cardiovascular disease, osteoporosis. And as it starts to dwindle around the perimenopause and menopause, that's when we start to see all these issues. And many women will suffer, you know, I suppose what's I certainly refer to at the minute as baby brain. They get a similar kind of thing or they can feel um, depressive symptoms. And the lack of it can lead to dementia in later years. It's it's certainly protective of it in, in earlier years. Which is why there are hormone replacement Absolutely. therapies in order to, to treat those problems. Yeah, yeah. So if someone goes through a premature ovarian failure, say, so which is uh, menopause before the age of 40, they really need to be on HRT up until the age of 50 to get all those protective benefits that the rest of us are afforded by having estrogen up until that stage. And then HRT, I suppose, should be used to treat symptoms Um you know, physical symptoms of the menopause. Mm. So the hot flushes or the cognitive decline or depression as well, if it's menopause related. So estrogen really is having a lot of impacts on our overall well-being more than just making us ovulate. Absolutely. Yeah. Your skin health, everything, skin turgor, elasticity. Yeah. So more of that. More of that, please. So if a woman is coming to you and you diagnose that there is a problem with a thyroid, what physical symptoms might she be experiencing? So actually, often that's one of the, I suppose, um, what we would call presenting complaints with thyroid disease. It can really affect your cycle. So some women will, will come complaining that they haven't had a period in a couple of months, which we would term amenorrhea um, or a lack of periods. Whereas and that's where they just stop entirely. They just stop, yeah. So because there isn't enough, so they tend to be hypothyroid or low in their thyroid hormone. And... Um, so they're, they're not ovulating. There's none of those 
hormones coming from the pituitary gland down. Um, and some women then can have very heavy, prolonged bleeding um, as well with thyroid problems. So it's actually a lot of the other symptoms of thyroid disease can be very non-specific and kind of non-committal. I, maybe I feel a little bit hotter, you know, than mm. everyone else or a little bit colder or I put on a little bit of weight. Mm. But, you know, but you could you could say that maybe something else is causing absolutely. that. Absolutely. I keep on checking my thyroid. Do you? In the hopes that I'm it's my excuse <laughs> for putting on weight. It's never abnormal. Um, so it must be pretty easy to test then. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's relatively and a cheap test for us to do. Okay, well. good. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it can certainly present in a lot of different ways with regards to your periods. And if a young girl or woman presents, as I mentioned, you know, in a fertility sense, it, mm. it would be a, a, something we would check. But it's also something we would check if you were having issues with your period. And is that just about regularity or would it be that a period has absolutely stopped? Uh, either. Yeah. Okay. So, you, you know, you could um, have kind of delays or longer cycles or your period can stop completely. And is that something that can be easily reversed? 100% easily reversed. Thyroid disease is one of the easiest to treat and certainly hypothyroid. Um, it just, we just need, um, just replace the hormone thyroxine. So as a woman now on your third pregnancy and as a GP who treats women all day every day what advice can you give anyone listening today that is concerned about their hormonal health or is looking to maybe improve it so I think listening to this podcast is a great start because it helps you to understand your hormone health and what is and what isn't normal I think get to know your body you know know what's normal for you know what your cycles are like and what they should be like and if you sense any abnormalities, come in and talk to your GP. I love those kind of consultations. And often, you know, there might not be anything wrong, but sometimes reassurance is great because if you're worrying and you're increasing your worry hormones and your stress hormones, then that can affect things. But if you have any abnormalities, you know, in your period, if your cycle changes, if you feel it's heavier than it used to be or it's not coming as often as it used to be, come and talk to us. If your skin, you know, if you're suddenly suffering from acne that you never had before, we have loads of options available. There are loads of contraceptive options, hormonal and non-hormonal. Um, and there, there's lots that we can do that can help. So it sounds like live a well and balanced life as much as you can. But if you are worried about something, there are a lot of things that can help. Yeah, so there are lots of things that we can check for. And often as GPs... <laughs> I suppose one of the most important things we can do is reassure, right? Because we do get a lot of women that are worried, myself included. We all go through that. Um, but we, we have lots of options to help. We can treat a lot of symptoms and we can reassure you. Laura, I'm beginning to figure even more of this out and I'm definitely feeling more reassured that there are loads of different solutions and options for every mum out there. Thank you so much for talking to me today and for sharing your intelligence and your kindness to us. So... Thank You're you. very welcome. Thank you, Sinead, for having me. If you missed episode one, head back up as Dr. Deirdre Lundy, a GP with 30 years specialising in women's health, explains more about our bodies, our fertility and sexual health. Or move on to episode three, where Dr. Deirdre helps us get to grips with each type of contraceptive because our options are so much more than just condom or pill. 
thank you for listening. We really hope that this show has supported you in finding out more about your body and how best to select the right contraception. You can find all the information relating to this episode by following the link to everymom.ie in the show notes. If you think others can benefit from this series, please rate, leave a review or share with us on social tagging everymom or using hashtag mycontraception. For more expert information and support, mycontraception.ie is always available to you. This show has been created by Everymum, supported by Bayer. If you want to report a side effect or quality complaint for any contraception, please contact your healthcare professional or report them to the Health Products Regulatory Authority via the Bayer.ie website.